You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand Rising, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and I want to welcome you to a wide Wednesday in the middle of this week. I'm so excited because Brian Callanan is back in the building. He's going to be telling us all about tonight's episode of Seattle News, Views and Brews. And you know, I got to check in on my guy, see how he's been. It's been a minute since we've seen him here on the day with Trace. I'm excited that he made time to be with us this morning. Also, I have the pleasure of speaking with Warren Armstead. He's going to be telling us all about his journey in health and wellness and why he's decided to bring for some products that we all get to learn from, like this cool board game. So I'm really excited to talk with him. But of course, it is the top of the show, y'all. So it's a great time to tag and share this stream right here. That's right. Go ahead, tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. If you can't watch us, don't worry. We got you covered. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Y'all will find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Music, whichever one is your favorite. I guess it's over 200 plus platforms, but we're on all of them. Search for me. Y'all will find me there. Shout out to everybody who is searching and finding us and finding value in what we're doing here on The Day with Trey. Thank you for listening and for sharing that value with those that you love and know. And also, I just want to give a huge shout out to our crew. Uh, today, we are dealing with a new setup here, and it's beautiful because we made it work to make sure we bring this episode to y'all today. So I'm so pumped. Shout out to my director, Curtis Cuddy Delgado, for making things happen this morning. I'm telling y'all, if you saw the behind the scenes, you would know how much work gets put into bringing this show to you Monday through Friday. But of course, I am excited because Brian is in the building. What's up, Brian? Hey, Trey, it has been a couple of weeks. It's really good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too. I mean, you know, clearly y'all have lots to talk about on Seattle News Views and Brews, but how have you been, my friend? I've been good. I've been good. I've been running around a little bit in terms of trying to balance the the work and the life, which is a challenge for all of us. Uh, I've been taking a lot of trips down to Olympia to cover some of the state legislature activity that's going on, always tracking what's going on with city council, uh, trying to track down what's going on with my family with spring breaks happening over here and kids running around over there. So uh, all things told, it's been busy, but it's been really good. Well, glad to hear that you're staying on top of trying. all of it. <laughs> trying. Know, that's, yep. That is a journey. That is a journey. Yeah. But we appreciate the insight you bring here. What's going on tonight on Seattle News Views and Brews? We've got a few different things going on, and it's really interesting to track what's been happening in the Seattle City Council with a few different Uh, I guess, entities that are talking about needing some more dollars involved. The first one, I think this one's really interesting, is the city attorney's office. So Ann Davison took office uh, about a year ago here. And so over the past year plus, she's actually lost 12 assistant attorneys over that time. That's a lot for her staff here. And so she put out a 
crime report for the fourth quarter that just happened yesterday in the council meeting there, in their committee meeting there. And so she was talking about, uh, or her office was talking about a lot of these different issues here with this lack of attorneys. And they're declining a number of different cases, which is a bit of a side story here, but just the work that they're doing to crank out all this different data to bring uh, different people to justice, et cetera, and the work that they do, it's been a big challenge with fewer people. And what they're saying is, okay, check it out. Our pay level here is about maybe 80 to 110,000, which sounds like a lot to a lot of people. I get that. But in terms of attracting top people to work within the city government in a very important job in the city attorney's office, there's about a half dozen cities around our area that pay a lot higher than that. So they're losing people is the bottom line here. And so what has happened here, the council has approved a preliminary measure to make sure that those assistant city attorneys get paid a little bit more in the hopes that they can bring some people in because the work that they're doing is very important. And I've been really impressed with Ann Davison's work as city attorney to provide more information. These different reports that they're putting out from the city attorney's office, chock full of information about what's happening with crime levels, what types of crimes, uh, uh, what types of cases are getting declined, meaning they're not pursuing any charges with it. With those situations, it is, is it a situation where somebody doesn't show up? There's a domestic violence case. There's a lot of different things going on here with the city attorney's office. And I was really interested to see this whole process and kind of the behind the scenes piece of it is, which is they're not getting paid enough, it looks like, at that assistant level. So that's one piece. Well, that's really interesting to hear, too, right? Because you think about um, how a lot of young folks see themselves. And I, I recently was talking to some young folks, so it strikes oh, my Oh, you're young, attention. too. Come on, Trey. Uh, well, yeah. you know, I mean, like, okay, younger than me, right? <laughs> okay, I'll okay. take that, Brian. Oh, yeah, you but, bet. Uh, but for them to be thinking about, oh, you know, my, somebody said, well, it's about being a doctor or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so you think about, you know, a lot of times that is uh, financially driven, Yeah. Particularly particularly from uh, those communities of the global majority or those who have maybe less resources, sure. right? So families are always thinking, we want you to make it because what we did was we worked hard to, to get, get you, you there. Yeah. yeah, to get you there. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you hear something like this, mm-hmm. it reminds me of the rising cost of our city. Oh, yeah. Ultimately, for everybody, it, for yeah, attorneys, for doctors, for everybody. It, yeah. it goes across the board, Brian. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that that's really what I think needs to be addressed in yep. so many different ways because uh, to a certain certain degree, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. Yeah. We're trying to fix one thing over here, yeah. but there's also other areas there. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. It, it is. Income inequality is a major issue. It touches all of our lives in a lot of different ways. And it's actually a piece of one of the other stories that we're looking at this evening, which is a situation with human service workers. So the human service department for the city of Seattle came up with this report that really showed that a lot of people are leaving the industry. And why are they leaving the industry? Well, guess what? On the outside, they're making something like 7 to 10% more right off the bat. And what they're seeing is, and this is the difficult part, how do you equate someone who works in the service industry, the human service industry, with someone who might be on the outside? How do you actually equate those businesses? Because it looks like if you're trying to go straight across with executives, let's say, guess what? That amount that they're getting paid for the human service work is about 30 to 40% less than someone who's an executive on the other side in another type of business out there. So it kind of stands to reason that you're talking about a lot of people are not in it for the money. Definitely not. They want to help. They want to serve their community. But when that amount that they're given is not even close to making it happen in terms of living in the city of Seattle or whatever else, that's a big, big challenge. And so the city is looking at some different ways to potentially increase those dollars for those workers. But 
We had a big fight over this in the last budget cycle between the mayor and the city council. There's a lot of different needs here in terms of where the city is going for extra dollars coming in. It's not looking terrific in terms of the economic outlook for the city. So I think there's going to be another battle over this coming up in the fall here. But again, this is one of those services that is critical for our community. How do we support that in a way that's real? How do we support that in a way that really respects the people who are doing this job, which, as it turns out, a majority of these people are people of color. 80% of them, the city found within its human services department are women. A lot of women are doing this work. So that gender pay inequity, that's been going on for a lot of while, a long time in many industries, but it's really front and center for this human service work. So I thought that was very interesting too, because kind of getting from both sides, right? Hearing about the city attorney, would you think the attorney's kind of like the going up in the world person that's got all the money in the world? Maybe not. And that human service worker who is definitely not getting all the money in the world, they're having some issues too. So some different sides of the spectrum when it comes to income issues for the city. Well, this financial instability for so many families is real, yeah. right? And we could talk about it in a wide variety of different industries. Sure, that inflation's is all over the place right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, stuff. you're talking about grocery bills, sure, gas, right. you yeah, know, electricity. You all these things are hitting everyday families. And, you know, it always, always hits families who have less, more. Yep. Because they are figuring out a way to stretch that dollar, to make it happen, yeah. not pay this right now. And I can maybe take oh, yeah. care of it. Like that's real for folks. But one thing that I will say, and this is really uh, what is most unfortunate about the ways that we kind of are built in society, particularly mm. in the United States. Yeah. Service workers across the board don't get paid what they are worth. Yeah. And yet, if we dealt with no service workers, sure. we would be dealing with, uh, we would all have huge, huge implications mm -hmm. to our lives that yep. would affect our daily lives. Yeah, we saw it during the pandemic for sure. It's so true. Yeah, we yeah. talk about essential workers, mm -hmm. right? A lot of that was service yep, jobs. Yep. But when you think about human services um, and you think about the fact that, it, you know, folks will say, there is a known saying, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I got into job because I have a heart for service. Sure. I'm, I'm definitely not going after the money. Yeah. You know, someone just said it to me the other day. It's like, oh, yeah, if you're doing this kind of work, you're definitely not in it for the money. Yeah. The problem is, is that is as though a lot of us have a heart for the work. We still have to survive. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is that there aren't enough surefire built in yeah. protections yeah. for service workers to ensure that they are getting what they need to survive. Yeah. And that's really the key here, particularly when you're talking about an executive who's like, my skills yeah. can be used in a lot of different that's industries. Right. Now I got to start thinking about, okay, I, I, do I want to have generational wealth for my family? Do I want to make sure that my kids have some type of fail safe sure, when it comes right. to college? Yeah. There's a lot of things that actually would change the trajectory of somebody who does have a heart for service, of right? Course. I do for yeah, sure, you know, but there's also something where I go, okay, my kids are getting older, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And like my son is 17 and I'm like, okay, I need, I want to have something for him. Yeah. I, of course I want him to do scholarships and all that, right, but right. I also think about me making it easier for him than it was for me. Yeah. And that means uh, it's, it's a hard thing to say that it comes down to dollars sometimes, oh, yeah. right? It does. And, and it's a big deal here when you talk about that discrepancy there, you know, 30 to 40% less in some cases there, that's very real. And so I'm not exactly sure where the account of the city is going to go with that this year, but it's something that they're up against. So we'll see how that plays out in the budget process later on this fall, but it's almost like that, that opening shot. It's like, Hey, this is still out here. I know we talked about it last fall, but it's still here. And this is not a problem that's going to go away. Income inequality is a huge, huge issue. And uh, I, I think it's something the city's paying close attention to. And I'm glad they are. Well, I want to say one more thing yeah. too. In private industry, when I was younger, 
mm-hmm. I dealt with uh, something very similar here, right? I was doing a very specific job. Okay. And the company I was working for chose not to specify it in the same way that was known in the industry. So it was almost like they changed job titles and things like that, even though the job description was essentially the same. Yeah. They changed job titles to make it so that we wouldn't be getting paid what that actual work paid, right? So we start looking at now things like Glassdoor and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I realized I had helped build up this company and I was doing work that was getting paid some someone over here in this place mm-hmm. doing less work than yeah, me, right. right? Was getting paid three times more than me. Wow. That was a learning lesson in my, my early years of my career that really changed the scope for me. Cause I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing that they could do. Sure. Like a, a private company could say, Oh no, it's not that job, it's this job. Mm-hmm. But when you start talking about the comparison, oh yeah, that is real. So I'm glad you all are hitting it. Yeah. You and David are on it tonight. Yeah. Uh, what else is going down tonight on Seattle News Views and Bruce? We got a few other things. We're all we're actually talking. And just a quick aside, uh, Erica C. Barnett is filling in oh, this week uh, talking with me. David's doing some paternity leave and I'm glad he's hanging out there and having a good time. Um, or I hope he is at least. Um, but we're also talking about some stuff that's going on in Ballard. You might remember over this past weekend, they reopened Ballard Commons Park. Mm-hmm. It had been shut down for just about two years because well, a major league homeless encampment moved in there in 2021. So the city shut it down, cleaned things up. They've remodeled a bunch of things in there. And so they reopened it this past weekend. And I was actually talking with council member Dan Strauss, Ballard's in his district there in district six. And I said, okay, how do you figure out something such that this encampment doesn't move back in, that we don't see this problem reoccur. And so he talked about this and he brought up the idea that what happened in Woodland Park in May of last year, you might remember big encampment there. The city did an assessment list, a needs assessment list, actually went person by person, figured out exactly what they need, okay, and they're gonna get you into shelter, gonna get you into shelter. And they figured out some different ways to do that. I think they're gonna try that same approach with Ballard. The concern and the challenge as always is, are there enough shelter spaces for that to happen. So the proof is in the pudding here, definitely. We're gonna have to see what happens in Ballard. There aren't any camps there now or anything like that, but what does the city do as a proactive measure to try to make sure that uh, people aren't uh, aren't doing that and taking over these different parks and, and things of that nature. The council member also brought up this idea of a unified care team, which is interesting. Uh, this is something the mayor and some council members are pushing for too, a team of parks members Seattle Department of Transportation uh, uh, employees, et cetera, going out into the community and serving as an extra set of eyes and ears. There's been some criticism that this is a lot like the navigation team that is just kind of pushing people out or whatever else, but I'm interested to see how that in coordination, if you can call it, call it coordination, because I don't think the King County uh, Regional Homelessness Authority is all that happy about it, but talking about the city working in coordination with the KCRHA to make sure that their efforts to keep parks clean, et cetera, and all that type of thing can actually mesh with what the uh, RHA is doing. Because yes, we are coming out of pandemic mode. And I think a lot of that park activity, et cetera, was connected to the fact that we were in the pandemic. But I'm going to be very interested to see how 2023 plays out with this idea of having this unified care team and the RHA working on these issues. Because uh, 
I don't know if they're always on the same page, but it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. And I am not shocked at all that there is yet another story around what we're dealing with in terms of our unhoused population. Yeah. You know, again, it goes back to unaffordability. Yeah. And, and, and really, there's always going to be this issue of this kind of push and pull as you want to have, you know, clean parks and clean cities. It also means that you have to care for the people in the mm -hmm. city. And that really, it, it boils down to what do people need to live and thrive, yeah. right? Not just survive because yeah. survival is at the very base level. But when you talk about, you know, families thriving in every city, what does that look like? Yeah. And, you know, there's a, a major play here because honestly, there's some things that need to happen at the city level. Mm -hmm. uh, some things need to happen at the state level. And then some things need to go up to the federal yeah. level. And what I long to see, Brian, is a real connection between those three. You know, we talk about kind of this um, uh, breaking up of government, yeah. right? And so you have counties, you have the sure. cities, you have, you know, you even have certain things happening in specific zip codes. There's right? different like, silos yeah, that happen there yeah, for sure. But really overall, this is something that so many are experiencing mm -hmm. across the nation. Yeah. What is really being done to say, okay, we need to come up with a plan that really is going to be impactful to all cities that is really going to ensure that folks have what they need. Mm -hmm. And there's ways to do that. I mean, we see these bailouts happen all sure, the time right, yeah. for major industry. Where's the bailout for these families sure. and for those that are on house? So I'm glad y'all yeah. are on it uh, yeah. tonight. So, of course, make sure folks know right there, how can they catch up with you in Seattle News, Views, and Brews? All right. Well, thank you, Trey. Make sure you check out Seattle News, Views, and Brews right here on Converge Night at 7 o'clock. Also, catch up with me on Twitter if you'd like, at Callanan Seattle. You can find me there and we can talk a little bit back and forth. Always looking for different story ideas or different feedback from people watching the show. So thank you for watching and listening. And thank you, Trey, as always, for having me on. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for being here. Great. Good to see you. Well, y'all, I'm excited because Warren Armstead is in the building. He's going to be telling us all about his wellness system and these really cool ideas that he has to infuse the information of wellness into things like board games for all of us to be able to participate and have fun with. I'm so excited to talk to him right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The David Trey. Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? Do our children really have access to education? Will our families have choices for our children? Prison pipelines, mass incarceration, tearing our families apart. A healthcare system not accessible to the masses? the disproportionate termination of black women from corporate America. When will we actually begin to address what's really at play? How do black people gain more power to help make these changes? This requires a lot of political will and courage. I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Welcome to Heartbeat. Welcome back, everyone, to the David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Joining me right now is Warren Armstead. Hi, Warren. How are you? Hello, I'm doing fine, Trey. 
Nice, nice to be here. Nice to meet you too. I'm yeah. enjoying this. I'm so excited. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, I saw you out in the community and you were promoting the board game and promoting your work. Tell us a bit about the history of you um, before you said, I have an idea to really start to flush this out. Tell us about your beginnings. Okay, good, good. I would like to do that. First of all, how much time I have? <laughs> Anyhow, um, this is how I came about this board game. Speaking know, to I, the mics over yeah, here. I was, uh, um, I was uh, um, in the life. You know, I was living worldly. Um, didn't have a plan. Um, a lot of things had happened starting out when I was a little kid. I had an older brother. Me and him was really close. He was a musician. And there's nine kids. But mm -hmm. he was a little bit old, five years older than me. Anyhow, he joined the Black Panthers, right? And so in 1968, the police gunned him down, right? So I'm 12 years old at this point, right? And so me and him were so close, and I was following in his footsteps. So when that happened, you know what? I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel, right? And so what I did, I stuffed it. But someone had to take his place, and I thought it was me. Right. For some reason, because me and him were so close, he always came, got me when he was out really late at night. He'd come home and, and wherever I'm at, he wakes me up and tell me about all the little things he were doing while he was out. Right. And I used to remember this so clearly. But when he left, I'm like, who's going to take his place? So I had a, another two older brothers. Right. But they were nothing like us. Right. And so I felt a little sense of responsibility at 12 years old. So I really never got to be that child. So what I did immediately I started committing crime, mm -hmm. right? And uh, uh, one thing led to another. Anyhow, the whole time though, this is what I'm doing. I'm exercising. I was a good athlete. I was a good dancer. My mom used to take me to, to uh, her little parties and stuff and have me dance for all of the older people, right? And I used to have fun doing it, right? And, uh, um, and uh, I, uh, um, one thing led to another. So my whole journey was, committing crime, getting back in this, getting at this system because they took my brother from me, right? And it was a time where that the revolution was going on and, and we were trying to fight for our rights and this kind of thing, right? And uh, um, my understanding of it was really little. Only thing I understood was that he was gone and someone had to take his place, mm -hmm. right? And so I kept going, uh, um, making money the wrong way, but I was smart. People used to always tell me, take that negative energy and put it into something positive. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I uh, kept doing the things I was doing because it was, it was easy. I was able to help people. I was able to provide financial support to people that needed it in my family, my sisters, my brothers, and everybody, right? And my mind was always geared towards making a lot of money mm -hmm. to take care of things, right? But I was always getting high, too. Right. So what happened was I'm going to take it because it's a long story. Yeah. I have a, um, I OD'd once I was using dope. I OD'd. Right. I was gone. And I was this this vision of when I was a little kid was running through my mind. Right. Playing in the schoolyards, how athletic I was going to dances and stuff. And I said, whoa, I was these things was running through my mind while I OD'd. And I said, oh, this is what it's like dying. Because I used to hear about this. Yeah, flashbacks. Right. And uh, I heard a voice say, I'm not done with you. Mm. Right. So I went into a seizure. 
right? I came out of that seizure a little while later. And uh, I felt good. I mean, my life was saved, right? But that didn't stop me, right? I kept going. I ended up committing a crime. This is, this is all about God, how God really looked out for me, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I was committing a drugstore burglary, right? And uh, the police came, and they shot at me four times, right, from here to that, that door. And I said I was hit. I said I'm hit, and they stopped, right? Then I wasn't. So how does that happen? Four bullets from here to there, and, and they didn't hit me, right? Wow. So God was looking out for me. This is what I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And so that didn't stop me. I kept going, kept doing things, right? And then, you know, eventually I have one child, right? The one child ended up um, disabled, right? And I'm like, wow, why me? Is this a sign, Right. What was I doing? How does this happen to me out of everybody that I know, right? And I was a pretty healthy individual, right? But it was my lifestyle. But that didn't stop me. What happened was 2004, I was indicted by the feds, right? And uh, for bank fraud and conspiracy to commit bank fraud, right? And um, I ended up going to trial I just basically wanted to see how many people were going to get on the stand and testify against me. I wanted to really see if, you know, if you play the game, you play it right. Mm. Right. And five people got on the stand and testified against me. They just told everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was so I had so much resentment. I was always thinking about how I was going to get them. Right. And God. What happened was I appealed the decision because the judge gave me 17 and a half years, right, for bank, for some paper crime. Yeah. Right. And um, so he gave it to me. I didn't do nothing about it. I appealed it. I gave him five and a half years back. Mm-hmm. Right. So I didn't have to do all that time. Right. I ended up doing 11 years, four months, one day and 20 minutes in the federal penitentiary. But the whole time I was there, for some reason, I didn't have to do a lot of work. And so I exercised. I was exercising all the time and I was going to classes. I was learning things. I was getting into like AANA meetings and going to uh, 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 attitude uh, classes and stuff, learning about myself. Mm -hmm. And this is what I did. I learned so much about myself and where was my gifts, right? I didn't know what I was going to do when I got out of prison, right? And this was this one little black kid, right? He's smart, really smart. I couldn't stand him, though. But he wouldn't let me get away from him. This has never happened to me. Wow. He challenged me. Every time he's seen me, he challenged me, right? And he kept asking me, man, what are you going to do when you get out of prison? I really didn't know. Because money was kind of, I always made money, you know? So he made me think about it. So God was with me. God was with me the whole time. So I went back and I just started praying. God, what am I going to do? When I get out of prison, because I was satisfied with $120,000 a year. He said, man, you got a handicapped child. You should be trying to make a million dollars a year, right? He kept saying this to me, right? And uh, what I did, I went back and I asked God, what was I going to do? I missed the seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th grade. I didn't go, you know, uh, a week, maybe a month at the max, right? I did all 11th, and the system 
asked me what I wanted to do when I get out of school. And I told them and they had. And so I did it. I want to be a tailor. They said, make us a shirt. They brought me a machine to school and I made a shirt and they gave me all my credits for all those grades. Right. And they wow. told me, they say, don't think we did anything wrong. Right. And so anyhow. And so I, uh, uh, I didn't go to school. And this is one of the things I regretted not going to school. And so God said, you're going to put, put something together, you know, make it uh, uh, something that you resented the fact that I didn't go to school and uh, something you've been doing all your life, exercising, right? And that's what I did. Wow. I started writing, writing every night, waking up writing because it was there, right? And so I came up, I wrote all this stuff down, then I put it on paper and this guy, little kid, typed it up for me, right? He said, this is what you came up with, right? I said, okay, good. It was an app. Here's a book right here. This is a book to an app. Mm -hmm. This app is to that game, right? But I was on probation, so I really couldn't go get a loan to get this app put out, right? So I said, let me pivot. So what I did was I pivot, and I found some got people that were street people that helped me put this board game together. Wow. They knew graphics, but they were drug addicts. Well, tell me about this board game, because, I mean, I saw you in the community. One of the things that I think really entertained me about seeing this was I don't know if fitness has been utilized in, a, in this kind of format. So tell us a bit about this game. I, I, I most certainly will. This game here is all about being smart, trivial slash exercises. That, that this is what this game's all about, right? Tameb is what it's, it's called Tameb for short, but it's test mind, exercise body. Yeah. And this is a game. It's trivial stuff. Anything. We got different categories that you, you spin the wheel. And if it lands on the category, you know, there's cards, there's trivial questions, right? And there's answers. And I got an exercise manual in there as well. Right. And it just show you how to do the exercise, what muscles it work and the whole deal. Right. And so that's what you do. You play this game. And uh, you land on one of the categories and you and you keep the card if you get it right. If you don't, you put it back in the deck. Right. And then the next person go. And this is how that game is played and how is why it's important and how it, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge because we got an app. Yeah. Right. We got an app. And once this get out there on the market the way it should. It's going to bring about the app. Right. This is the first board game. There's going to be a second one. And it's the same name, but it's going to be for schools. You're talking about the first grade all the way up to sixth grade, and you can make it all the way up because it's fun. We yeah. need to bring something back into the schools that will engage kids in wanting to go to school. This will make them want to go to school, but more importantly, they're not going to want to do exercise in front of the other kids in the class or what they're going to do. They're going to go home and practice. They're going to buy this game. Their parents and they're going to be at home and they're going to be challenging each other. But here's what here's this game is so fun, especially when it comes to the kids. Right. This is huge because we're going to be able to put this as in the rec centers, the boys clubs, wherever you want it. This game is going to be there and it's going to be a quiz. The teachers can go on our website and download some more questions and answers, anything that they want the kids to learn in school, anything they have to do is they can even put it on the website themselves, right? And have the kids go home and play the game and come back and be ready for it. And they can do it once a week or they can do it every day, it don't matter. But it has changed the format of the school, the way the teachers teach. This can be another one. Now they can sit back. 
the kids can play games. They could be observing. They can observe the kids that are engaged and the ones that's not. The ones that need help, they can target the ones that need help. Well, the, you know, one of the things that I think is so innovative is to be able to take your lived experience, as you said. You know, you had this resentment, right, about yeah. like not going to school. So you made it in a scholarly way so that not only are families practicing fitness, they're also learning uh, along the way, which is so key. Um, and so I, you know, I, I get excited because I think about my sons being able to play something like this with them and both of them have their own ways of doing athletics, right? But the idea of bringing it into a family format, bringing it into the schools, another opportunity for, you know, students and teachers to connect and, and really find fun in something that's also, they're walking away with the learning and the fitness at the same time, because you have the exercise uh, exercises in there, but it's also as you're spinning, you're, you're learning about each exercise. So Warren, thank you for coming today to just share this and I will help promote it because I think it's cool. Uh, I, I'm excited to play with my kids and give you our, our feedback because really I think that that's what, you know, so many of us need as we talk about, you know, ensuring that we're healthy, that we're well and that we learn from our experiences. This is a way to do that. So you do have a website. I want to let you look right there in the camera. Let folks know how to connect with you on the website. How do they get the game? Well, the game right now, it's being sold on uh, Facebook and it's five points to wellness. You go down, go on to uh, five points to wellness and you see the link and you hit it. And then the there's other products on there too, but that's the most important one is the board game. You go there and you hit the link and it opens up and you can pay with credit card or you can contact me. I'll deliver if you're within here or else I can deliver or have it mailed to you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or you can go to my website. My website is five points to wellness um, dot U E N I dot web dot com. All right. right? And I have a card here. But anyhow, I'm just new. I'm getting I'm getting new is to start up on this website thing. And it's got to be built up a whole lot more. But anyhow, I've been reaching out to a few people to maybe help support it because we only need a, a couple of major people in order to support this beautiful concept. And that's how you get in touch with me. I have business card. I have my phone number and my email address is five points to wellness uh, uh, at Gmail dot com or Warren Armstead at Yahoo com. So there we go, y'all. I enjoyed this and I'm glad to be here and hopefully things go well because this is huge what I got going on, y'all. Well, it and is I want huge. You to know it. Yeah. it is great to be able to celebrate folks like yourself in our community who stepped out uh, and pro provided some level of opportunity for us to connect uh, a fun time and fitness and learning. So thank you so much, Warren, for joining me today. Thank you. I Absolutely. Okay. Oh, y'all, I get to wrap up all of this wonderfulness on this Wednesday right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Hey, Portland, Basil Gordon here from Converge Media and your very own Jammin' 107.5, inviting you all to tap in next week as we uplift black businesses across the road city. We check in with Stacking Kicks, Black Mannequin, Yeah That Clothing, Mr. Chuck's Auto Detail, and more. It is the Road City Black Business Uplift next Monday through Friday, all across Converge Media platforms. 
What up y'all, T-Dub here, as always, bringing you the news and art funding and opportunities. This year's Poor Culture Project grants are live now, and here's what you need to know to apply. Poor Culture Project grants fund cultural activities and projects throughout King County. If you are an individual or group with arts, heritage, or preservation at its core, then this funding is for you. And if you're new to the grant application process, Four Culture hosts virtual workshops and has a team of grant managers ready to assist you in the process. The deadline to apply is March 23rd. Head over to fourculture.org for more. Welcome back, everyone, <laughs> to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to thank y'all for watching on this wise and wonderful Wednesday. It was so great to have Brian Callanan back in the building. So, of course, I got to give him a huge thank you. Um, it was great to learn what is going down tonight on Seattle News Views and Brews. And also that we have a trusted source who's staying grounded in what's going on within the city. All of these uh, issues are so important to all of us. And so I'm, I'm grateful. Make sure y'all tune in tonight at 7 p.m. right here on Converge Media. Also, huge shout out to Warren Armstead for bringing his story. You know, when you think about the inspiration of learning and hearing from stories like Warren's, there's something to be, you know, taken from all of that knowledge and from saying, you know what, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do my, my life's work and I'm going to bring it out into community instead of holding that idea for himself, right? Um, it's just special that we have folks like Warren in our community who have gone through what they have and who have persevered through all of that to be able to provide something for all of us to learn and grow. So make sure y'all go to Five Points of Wellness on Facebook, get the, this uh, board game, you know, help us spread some greatness from right here in our area. This is where we have the opportunity to support great works um, right here to make them even better bigger. And that's really what it's all about. And so, of course, I'm inspired by their stories. Y'all know I want y'all to be inspired as well to remember that you too have something to share with the world and you have a way to see yourself as a part of the solution. Well, for me, until tomorrow at 11 a.m., y'all, peace. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.